are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Adam Matis. Adam, are you okay, bud? You are the one I got to worry about, man. You look tired. You look exhausted. Uh, well, you know, raising, raising a 13-month-old while mom is off at work she already is a little 13, taxing. Already 13 months? Wow. Dude. I'm flying. And she's a psychopath. Like she, she throws, she throws her body around like Kyle Lowry. It's the wildest thing. <laughs> Initiates contact. That's great. Not afraid to take the charge. I like she's it. taking so many charges from our dog. <laughs> it's just like nonstop. That's funny. <laughs> Today's show. Look, we have two. We have one really good game and then one blowout to talk about. We have an exciting weekend ahead to get to, and then we have power rankings that we also have to get to. I do want to start, though, with Toronto beating Boston on uh, an actual last-second shot, not a lot, not a last-second free throw. That was a, a great finish. Controversial finish. Yeah, it was just basketball players winning a basketball game, and holy cow, that was refreshing. Uh, and, 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 and also, by the way, that shot that OG Ananobi hit, might very well flip that series. Like it could yeah. completely swap, swap the direction that that thing might be going in. It's so funny. And we saw this a little bit in the first round with both Oklahoma city and Houston and also Denver, Utah, where I, from an outside perspective, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, Oh, a series is over. You know, this is over. One team looks like the better team through one game or two games, sometimes even through three or four games. But Oftentimes, especially as you get deeper into this, and especially true when you have two teams that are relatively close in talent, and I think the Celtics and uh, Raptors both are close enough that we can you can say this mm-hmm. even. Moments like this can flip it. They really can kind of change the trajectory of this. This was almost 3-0. Uh, absolutely fantastic inbound. I think it was Lowry, right, with the fantastic yeah. inbound pass over the top of the defense straight to OG Ananobi, who just made an incredible play and, and knocks down a three to save this. And it wasn't just that, Anthony. You know, they were down, I think, 10 points at, at the half. You know, they they mm-hmm. looked exactly like this game was going to go the same way games one and two did. And I thought Toronto found some things in that second half, dug deep, played like the more desperate team, and made just enough plays to pull this one out. Look, as, as nice as, as that win is and, uh, and, and as, as great a moment as that was, the, the Raptors need more from Marcus All. He looks He's the old. one, huh? He, like to me, well, no, I mean, like they got more out of Kyle Lowry, they got more out of Fred Van Vliet. And, I think Siak, that, if you're want to like kind of kind of look at guys, and he had a, I thought a very solid night yeah. tonight, but he's still trying to figure out. You know, they went to him in the post a lot tonight. Didn't have a ton of success with it early on. You know, I, to me, he's the guy that I think is still trying to find the cracks in the seams and and where he can have success individually. Sort of collapsing Boston in this one and. Um, you know, he had a good game. He was a plus 12. He was a, t- a team high plus 12 in this one. It goes for 16.7 rebounds, two assists, gets a steal and a block um, in his 38 minutes. But to me, he's, he's the key. Yeah, Him no, and Van I, Fleet, I agree Van with Fleet you. Had a very of, nice one as well. In terms of burden, you know, that a, that a player carries going into the, into the series, Siakam has the bigger one. But I'm watching Marcus All and, and I, I don't know, like we've talked about this a few times now where – is Daniel Tice just the future of the position where it's this smaller guy who can 
knock down three pointers and can finish at the rim and then is physical enough to to defend the rim uh while the bigger guys like Marcus Saul and and go on down the line of all of the bigger centers are just being phased out and and Gasol especially he's he's in in an advanced age I would say and he just looks old and he looks advanced slow. age think, sounds like he's in a nursing home Adva- advanced stage might not be the right by word NBA for him. standards I mean, he might okay. be man he yeah, looks he's like a little he old be. i don't know if he's at his advanced <laughs> age but he looks like he needs to be in a nursing home by, by how he's moving out there but, i'll, I'll but be yeah, honest this, this I, I do my other my other actual note go for about it yes this, this that og and anobi play you and i both played basketball you obviously better than me but we've all had that moment where the ball is floating seemingly forever in the air as we're trying to catch it and make a play. And can you just imagine how long the ball must have been in the air as two defenders are closing out on him, Yeah. as that ball is, is going over the top of Taco Fall and going over the top of the entire court. And he, by the way, only has half a second to get yeah. a shot off yeah. and make a and make a, a There was a, no margin for that. Series, yeah, a yeah. series and season-saving shot. Like that was, that's, when, when you really take into account everything that went into that shot that's one of the more insane shots that we might see this year yeah and it honestly and it saved the series and it saved it for all of us because i think this has been a very fun battle to watch and it would have been a drag if it was 3-0 because it would have been over so i'm glad it extends it yep i agree completely do you think do you think this swat you know switches the 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 direction of the series so much that you see the raptors as as potential favorites like that's a giant gut punch no it is it is but it's not like that no i think these two teams are gonna if they played 10 times i think they'd all kind of be like this one i mean the play before the last play was a fantastic uh play by kemba walker who got that assist you know down to a cutting daniel tice with 0.5 seconds left and i i just both of those plays were fantastic plays i think it's going to be like that with who can ever kind of pull out the last one so uh i'm excited raptors not out of it celtics also obviously not out of it yep all right the next game on the docket here was denver and lac which was the opposite of the toronto boston game this was over well after the first period i would say this was this was essentially figured out uh how this was going to go the second the, the first quarter they tie at 31 second quarter the clippers outscored denver 38 to 20 adam this is obviously the team that you cover, the game that you yeah. are paying the most attention to. And uh, I'm just interested in, in, in where you sit on this and where you think the uh, Denver organization sits on this. Well, I think from Denver's perspective, it wasn't at all surprising. Michael Malone's a pretty no-excuses guy, but he has spent the last 48 hours talking about how tired the team is coming off of a very <laughs> emotionally draining and physically draining Game 7 uh, against Utah. So. I don't think that this one was necessarily surprising. It felt like a feel-out game for Denver. Let's also be honest here. The Clippers, I think, are the better team. I mean, it's the onus is yeah. on Denver to sort of punch upwards in this series. So when you factor all of that together, I thought the first quarter, at, to your point, Denver played their starting lineup a lot, and they looked like they were pretty good. Once you started going behind that, the wheels completely came off for Denver, and um, the game got away from them by halftime. So... I don't know that it's indicative of how this series is going to go, although I did pick Clippers, I think, in six, and that was like me really stretching. I think Clippers in five was my what I really believed, but I tried mm-hmm. to put a little extra on it. So I think that the series is going to be favor the Clippers pretty heavily. I don't know that every game is going to be a laugher. Uh, at least I hope not. I think Denver has more than this, just not surprised given the circumstance. 
Yeah, I think like walking away from this one, I don't think Denver is going to have very much success if Zubats looks like he fits on the court. You know, well, I don't know about I, that. I mean, Zubats. You know, again, you go back to this first quarter. I think Jokic in the first quarter has like ten points, two rebounds, two assists, a couple highlight plays. Looks really good. When he checked back into the game, they were down twelve or fourteen points. So this game mm-hmm. was. It was kind of over before it begun, really, in a lot of ways. To me, where I look at it, I mean, Kawhi Leonard in this game, 12 of 16. Going into this series, you didn't think Denver had anybody that could guard him. You just, I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA that can guard him, but can you slow him down? And this was the most comfortable 29-point performance I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Kawhi Leonard got right to his spots, got right where he wanted and scored. Marcus Morris contributed 7 of 10, and a lot of those were same thing, one-on-one sort of um, situations for him. And then I thought Patrick Beverly, the return of Pat Bev to go out there and just give another look at Jamal Murray. If Denver's going to win the series, it's going to start with Jokic and Murray both going off. I thought Jokic got out to a good start. Then the game was over by the time he checked back in. Jamal Murray having that many different players guard him, Kawhi, Paul George, Pat Beverly, being able to throw that many different looks at him and the aggressively uh, as they were able to contain him in the pick and roll, um, you know, we're going to have to see how he responds. That's a whole new challenge for him here in round two. Yeah, Patrick Beverly coming back is huge because that means fewer Reggie Jackson minutes, who I think was a disaster in that first series. Uh, and 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 I think Patrick Beverly also means a ton to the identity that the Clippers want to want to hold. He's just there was a, I, I told you about this already, but there was a stretch there where Beverly guards. Uh, Jamal Murray on one play and then the next play it's Paul George and the next play after that hey by the way <laughs> after yeah, you go yeah. through those two defenders here's Kawhi right, you know right, who yeah. is maybe the one of the best perimeter defenders I've ever seen and 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 yeah it's just it's just a really tough matchup for him uh, for, for them in general defensively and offensively like you talked about I just don't know if there's any answer in the entire league for Kawhi Leonard let alone on on this Denver Nuggets roster yeah, they're going to need to get more out of Michael Porter. Again, after you talk about Jokic and Murray getting it going, I think those guys can both get it going and Denver still lose this series. But you have to start there, and then you move on to you know, the Jeremy Grants, the Paul Millsaps, the Michael Porters, all those guys having to come together. And it's just so tough because the Clippers have the, the players to make them work individually on the defensive end. I mean, you're talking about Michael Porter's on the court. Is he guarding Kawhi? Is he guarding Paul George? Is he guarding Marcus Morris? He's kind of at a disadvantage on all of those. So Denver has very, very thin margins in this one, and I think that's why the series probably will be short. But I think the reason this one was over by halftime had more to do with fatigue, or as much to do with fatigue as anything else. Yeah, but is that the kind of thing that gets better? <laughs> I know. Well, one game off and this. then... It's funny to think about because it really is a thing right now where I'm curious to see what happens with Houston tomorrow. You have to play every other day. Denver starters played 25 to 33 minutes tonight. That was That's kind of like a regular game. So I don't know if right. fatigue is going to get better for that. I think a little bit and also just the mental fatigue aspect of it. I think, you know, you talk about I don't think the Nuggets players thought about the Clippers until yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. The coaching staff maybe started a little bit, but – the players now getting back into the series and thinking about assignments and really getting into it, I think, um, you know, that that aspect of it, I think it'll improve a little bit and hopefully make this series go an extra game or two. We'll see. Yep. All right, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we're going to look ahead to the weekend that might be uh, and and then eventually dive into our this week's edition of the Power Rankings. 
Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves or say things like, I lost my mojo or avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and again, discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. Last quick question about Denver here. Yeah. If if Denver gets mollywopped four straight games, they're kind of playing with house money because they won that first series. They come back from 3-1. It's a really cool, you know, vibe, I would imagine, around the organization having accomplished that. But if they lose four straight and they are all laughers, does that change the, the, the perspective organizationally on, on what this team yeah. should be next year? I don't think so, but only because I think there's already a realization about Denver not being in their final form. I mean, obviously you can look at internal improvements from Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, I'm 25, 23, and then you still have Michael Porter Jr., just 22 and hasn't really played, so you have that. But I think the organization already looks at the roster, the rest of it, and says, okay, we have more clarity about what is needed around those guys, and, and you mm-hmm. start to build towards that. So I think that the organization already knows they are less than the top tier of the NBA. All right. Let's uh, let's look ahead to this weekend. You have the Bucks, who could potentially go down 3-0, and their, se- wow. their season could be on wow. the brink. Uh, Lakers and Rockets kick off a fascinating series. Let's start with Milwaukee, though. And did yeah, I don't I don't want to oversimplify because you hate it when I do this. You oversimplify but everything, but that's okay. I do. I I'm a simpleton, but. Like, how many times are we gonna go? Are we gonna go through this whole postseason dance of like the regular season is so effing different, and Uh-oh. and the Bucks are a great regular season team, and here comes a postseason and they fall short all over again. Like, at what point do we do we cease to be surprised on that? Uh, I mean, I think I think people are already there. Uh, I think coming into this, people were already sort of there because of of last season. So the onus in many ways was on the Bucks to to be different. Um, but you know, your point about the postseason and regular season, it's just so true of the NBA with the rise, I think of even analytics and, and the rise of, uh, you know, p- people realizing how important it is to rest throughout the season and avoid injury and all this stuff. We couldn't have a regular season. That's more different than the postseason. The postseason mm-hmm. is all about what you can't do. 
and having an enormous amount of data collected over the course of a season to know exactly what a team can't do. There's not a lot of prodding games one and two. Let's test the fences. Teams go into game one saying, we know exactly where their weaknesses are, exactly where their strengths are. Do we have the talent to exploit that? And unfortunately for the Bucs, I think that they and their star player in particular, you can even say maybe their coach and some of the, you know, some of the, the peculiarities mm-hmm. of, of, how, of, of how they employ lineups and do different things. But um, unfortunately, they're a team that has some things they don't do well. And in a playoffs, you can just force them to do those things. Here's, here's my thing. I, I, I grant that the regular season has become almost meaningless or whatever. But like, these teams should know what they have to do come postseason time. Like this isn't some sh- – like when they, when they arrive to the postseason and like you're saying, they are going to be – it's going to be demanded of them to do those things that they aren't necessarily comfortable doing. That means that over the course of that regular season, stop running up the score yeah, on, yeah. on these meaningless games and actually focus on the things that you need to be able to do well come postseason time. You have to think about the gravity of that, though, Anthony, is if you're a fan of the Bucks, you know, watching them win in the regular season and cheering them on is, is fun and it's, it's meaningful. And I'm 100% with you, by the way. I do think that there's great teams, great coaches that might sacrifice one, two, three, four, maybe even five wins in the regular season to kind of make sure that you're preparing and understanding your team all around. I think the Miami Heat are a great example of this. And Jimmy Butler as a player might even be an example of this. It, it's starting to feel like Jimmy Butler rope-a-doped all season so that he could surprise people in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I do think there's something to that. I look at this Bucks series, and I, and I look at yesterday's games. Chris Middleton, a plus 18. He plays 33 minutes. Uh, I know yeah. he had the foul trouble, and that's a big part of Giannis, same thing. But 35 and a half minutes, at some point, you just have to say, hey, it's the playoffs. I have to keep my guys on the court. The guys need to be playing 38, 40, 41 minutes. You can handle that, especially when your back is against the wall. So I know depth has been something for Milwaukee and, and, and something they're sort of proud on and rely on. But you're now in an 0-2 hole, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's go time for them. Yep. The other series in this one is uh, the Lakers and Houston kicking off. Uh, game one being tomorrow night, Friday night, tonight, by the time you guys are listening to this. And Adam, I'm interested. I, I you know, am, am looking at this from a very narrow perspective because I'm a, I'm a Laker I'm a fan, obviously, and then I cover the Lakers on Locked on Lakers. But uh, I'm interested from where you're sitting and what you're interested in in this series. You know, I was much more intrigued by Houston prior to this last series, and every series takes on its own life. What did I just hit? I just hit something, and it's like playing something really loud. Sounds <laughs> like Stephen A is like pissed at you already. <laughs> I hit a button. Um, no, I, I think you know I'm a little more concerned with Houston and, and, and than than I was maybe a week ago. But that being said, every every series takes on a, a life of its own. I think the Lakers have shown to be a very good defensive team. They've got all that size and there is a little bit of a, as actually not a little bit, there's as much of a style fight that this series will represent um, as anything you could have drawn up. So to me, that's what I'm interested in. I just worry that the Rockets maybe aren't quite as good as I thought they might be to make this series a little bit more interesting, but we'll see. Well, so you made the point a second ago about how the postseason you know, forces you to either figure out things that you cannot do or just fail, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
And, uh, and, and I think in this series, what I find really interesting is the one thing Houston cannot do, like the Lakers can play smaller, right? They can play AD at the five and they can play smaller, at least in theory. The, the Rockets, however, cannot play bigger. So if, if Dwight and JaVale can stay on the court, this series is over and it's over really quickly because the thing that they cannot do over the course of the series is grow. Yeah. And it's not even just the height size thing, although that's a big part of it. It's also, I've been thinking about this a lot. Some teams are just really good at what they do, but not that versatile. And I think Houston is a little bit that it's funny because positionally, like defensively, they're very versatile. They can really get interesting, Mm -hmm. but offensively, we just saw if you have Lou Dort, who's not somebody you would have guessed would have been this major X factor against an MVP caliber player in James Harden, but big David Nwaba. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just if you have a guy that can kind of take away what another team does, and not every team has like that guy, but if you have one, there's not often a great counterpunch. There's not a great second thing behind that. And I think that the the Lakers have a lot of very good defenders. They have a lot of guys they can throw out at James Harden to make things difficult, throw out at Russell Westbrook, make things difficult. So uh, I don't know. But it, it will be inter- – I'll tell you this. It will be interesting because, like you said, it is. it does feel like such a style fight and maybe even in some ways a battle for like – it's too dramatic to say for the soul of basketball, but I am curious if big ball versus little ball, I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's fun. One of, the, th- one of the, the knocks on this kind of iteration of the league, this era of NBA basketball, has been that the, 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 the approach to offense has become so homogenous. And you look at these two teams, and, and that right there is the counterpoint to that to yeah. that criticism of the league is that you have this team in the Lakers that is going to start two seven footers and are going to try to keep those two, at least two seven footers or at least one seven footer on the court at all times. And then you have Houston whose entire goal here is to try to limit the impact that the seven footers are going to have in the series. And it's, it's, it makes for this really fascinating heavyweight versus you know, welterweight type of, of series. How many how many welterweight punches can land before the heavyweight just throws a haymaker and ends it? Yeah, and the same as with Denver, you know, Houston just came off a seven-game series, pretty exhausting one. So we'll see if that mm-hmm. plays a, a, a role for them as well. I think that's a, another little variable here. But I'm rooting for it. I'm, I want these series to go as long as we can. I, I was worried there yeah. for a while with that Celtics-Raptors one. I'm telling you, I'm glad we got it back. I hope we get all of these series pushing us to at least be interested as long as possible. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, do you want to kick off power rankings now, or do you want to hold off until – Let's hold off. Let's do it in segment three. Power ranking right. the players, entities, teams with the most pressure going into the weekend. Today's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and save $10 off not just your first offer, but your second, your third, and so on and so forth, so long as you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. And uh, so long as these the, the, the supplies last, you can get a free cooler with your purchase. Uh, so again, head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON uh, to save $10 off your next order of the best bars, protein bars that you can possibly eat. They are nutritious, they're filling, they give you energy. I wind up waiting until well after midnight to record with Adam, night in, night out, 
uh, or week in, week out because of how late he tends to keep his hours with, with everything that he has to do in covering the Nuggets. And the best way that I have found to keep myself awake and, and, and ready to be as entertaining as I can be is by just eating a Built Bar right before we record. They have great flavor, flavors. They're hugely nutritious. They have flavor profiles for everybody. So again, head on over to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. One more time, BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. All right, as per usual, this is another week where Adam and I are covering the NBA here for Locked On NBA. And every week that we have had basketball, we have put together some version of power rankings. This time, we are going to be ranking the players, coaches, organizations, Twitter followings, <laughs> podcast hosts who have the most pressure on them uh, heading into this weekend. So starting from, I think we have eight here on our Yeah, list. we have eight. You made me add a couple at the end there. Um, and a lot of these, honestly, sorry. to the same team. I'm sorry for making you do your job, Adam. <laughs> a lot of these, there's just a lot of crossover, so I almost feel silly. This is a little bit of a weird right. power rankings, but it's, it'll work. It'll work. Starting with number eight, who's at number eight? So I put Jokic, or more or less, I should say you put Jokic on here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 27 points per game so far in the playoffs, which is higher than any point last year for him. And he has 50-50-85 splits. So you look on paper and you go, okay, the offense is looking all right. Wasn't dominant in that first round series necessarily, although I thought he was underrated and pretty good. But now you're in this other series where if you get blown out, you know, how does that change? Does it make you guess about, okay, is he good enough to sort of go toe-to-toe? I don't think you would look at this and say, Jokic went toe to toe with Kawhi Leonard today, right? Both player, best player on each team. That wasn't necessarily the case. There was clearly a best player in Kawhi, and then there was everybody else. My my thing here with with Jokic, and I think this is the number one question facing the Nuggets moving forward, is and like you're saying, can Jokic match up? You know, like you're saying, go toe to toe with the Kawhis, the LeBrons, the Giannis's, right. you know, etc. Next year it'll be the Durants, right? When he right. comes back. And and even though I think some of the narrative here is is kind of disingenuous because I don't know how many people watch the Nuggets over the course of the year and then now are paying attention to him when he's put in this situation where he's going up against the best teams and the best players in the league night in, night out. But still for the Nuggets. If they get if they get whooped on for four straight games and Jokic tonight was a game worst minus twenty four, if 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 Jokic doesn't look like he can match up with with Kawhi and it is very clearly a statement in that direction, then what? You know, I, they, I mean, they, again, you you added this one to the list. I don't see it this way, but you know, it, it, there's I think it's more of a Denver as a team thing as is likely about to be faced with the fact that they have a long ways to go to kind of reach Mm -hmm. that level but there is something i'll tell you what the flip side of this i think we would agree is true Jokic can come out be the best player for at least a night in the series and that means denver would probably win so i think that's Mm -hmm. that's where the pressure comes from can he do that and be that guy um the next guy on our list here is paul Millsap, and again i don't know that he necessarily feels pressure but 
for the people watching closely, Paul Millsap was very good to start the season. He'd been pretty good for Denver for the last three years since he arrived. But boy, did this hiatus come at, at presumably the worst time. He's LeBron's age. LeBron hasn't quite aged. We're still waiting for it to see if it happens. <laughs> Paul Millsap looks like he's aged. I mean, he looks like he's 35 years old. And this might – I still think Paul Millsap has a role in the NBA somewhere next year. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Denver. But, you know, this might be his last good chance to be an impact player on a playoff team. So that's the only reason I added him to the list is he hasn't been great. And I'm not sure he's going to be in this position again next year. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. And it sucks to to like Paul Millsap has been one of my favorite a lot of people's favorite, you know, kind of low-key players in the NBA for a really, really long time. And and then, you know, Father Time comes knocking rather rudely. Yeah, yeah. Next guy on the list, we're starting to get into more, I think, pertinent ones. I have Pascal Siakam here. And mm-hmm. I think the pressure on him would have been pulled up a little bit higher had they not won today. He's he's one of the sort of the winners, I guess, of uh, of that. But you know, he's that team's best player. He's he's asked to be, you know, the guy that kind of carries them. And I think that, like Giannis, he has a few things that are, you know, that kind of he has some weaknesses that are maybe a little bit more glaring than most players of his caliber. And so. Um, there's a little responsibility on him, I think, to sort of step up and win them a game or two in this series. One of the things that you and I and some of our friends talked about after last year was, okay, how's the how's the analysis going to be on Siakam once he's asked to carry the load as the best player on the team? I'm not going to call him a superstar. We can maybe go into the star realm or whatever, but but – How's how's the analysis going to be on on Siakam, and is he going to be ready come playoff time to actually carry that burden? And uh, you know, frankly, to this point in the in the Boston series, I haven't been. He, he isn't he isn't taking the world by storm in a way that the Raptors need him to, even if it might be inherently unfair because of how well he played with Kawhi there last year. Like, yeah, yeah. For some reason, we see we see like what a player can do working off somebody like Kawhi and then Kawhi leaves. And now the, the expectation is, okay, well, it's, you know, next man up, but that isn't necessarily how these things work talent wise. So I think I Siakam needs to be better for the Raptors to not just have a chance in this series, but, you know, especially moving forward and winning a championship. And when I just, we say I just better, don't, I think I just don't know if he's that kind of player. Better. Right I think score huh? better is really what, 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 the, is the subtext to that and um you know I, i'm still hopeful i mean again series take tw- turns i it always yeah. feels like things are over but you know and so it can be a very very long series with a lot of different layers to it and siakam i think is a hell of a player so i'm rooting for it mm-hmm. next guy on my list i have mike d'antoni i don't know it's weird when we say pressure because i thought houston was incredibly close to not getting out of the first round which would have meant i think across the board changes for the Houston Rockets, which might be coming anyway. Tim and Fertitta hit very hard by this uh, pandemic. But Mike D'Antoni, I think in particular, you look at this bubble scenario, you look at the Rockets at their best, looked like they were a true contender. At their worst, they looked like they might lose to Lou Dortz, Oklahoma City Thunder. How they come out here, Denver is not where Houston is, where their star players are at the peak of their prime or maybe even a little bit behind that and, you know, all the role players on the roster at the end of that, Denver's a young team. I think they look at it and say, okay, we have some runway here. Houston doesn't. And if you yeah. if you look like Denver did against the Clippers where it's, oh, okay, they're not in the same class, 
well, that's it. You're done. Like there's no more, there's nothing else here. So this might be Mike D'Antoni's last great chance with this, with this team. And I think he has some pressure in this weekend going into this weekend to have his team play up to the level. What are the chances just to save some money? Tillman for next year has a player coach. <laughs> uh, low, very low. I don't even know who that would be. Chris Paul is, I think Chris Paul could pull off player coach LeBron. Maybe I think too. Yeah, maybe LeBron. Um, the but, next but guy, like, might... my, my thing, my well, I, I will say this about D'Antoni. I think if you actually like read between the lines, you know, with quotes from D'Antoni and from the Rockets or whatever, it does kind of feel like he has a foot out the door anyway. And yeah. because of that, I don't know how much pressure can really be on somebody like that. If I had People to bet money to win, on it, though. I think he's in New Orleans next year. So he's not winning in New Orleans. I mean, maybe huh? he is in a year or two, maybe two or three years down oh, the line. So you might saying, win. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, he's, I mean, you only have so many chances to have your, to win a championship. And this is, I thought two weeks ago, this was as good of a chance for the Houston Rockets because of the bubble, because all these variables, because everybody was shooting the ball so well. I thought, okay, well, here it is. You have a chance to go out there and do this. And I think that you can't be too confident after that Oklahoma City series in them. Yeah. That's why the pressure is on them this weekend to, to kind of bounce back. And that brings me, of course, to James Harden, who, well, boy, was there anybody luckier to get out of. And then, look, he made his own luck. He had that great you know, block shot mm-hmm. at the end. But, boy, if he they would have lost that one, it would have been very, very tough to escape some of the things that would have been said about him. Um, you go into this series – the Lakers have some guys they're going to deploy to try to slow him down. I'm very curious to see if he bounces back. Not only do the Lakers have a, a few guys that they're going to deploy against him individually, but they're also going to have a few strategies against him team-wise, right? Like there, there are going to be possessions and there are going to be stretches where they square off the basket and they, they force him to hit his step back jumpers. There are going to be some stretches where they funnel him to, their bigs down low and force him to score at the rim. There are going to be some stretches where they force him to drive and kick it. And, and they have the personnel to be able to throw those three pitches at him. And, and the one thing, the one kind of narrative about Harden that has, has rung true the most about him throughout his career has been how he seems to fade away the longer a series goes. And, and at some point, He's going to have to get better as the games have more stakes involved with them. Yeah. At some point, if he's going to be considered great, that's when great players shine, and he hasn't to this point. Yeah. So he's got some pressure on him. Uh, Giannis, in the same vein, was number three on my list, and I think you know Giannis still has a lot of of time in front of him. I mean, he's no, you know, he's still approaching his prime and his peak. Um, so he's got a lot here, but. You know, the narrative has kind of already turned on Giannis, and I think the pressure, too. There's We saw this with LeBron when he was in Cleveland. There's the carefree years where it's like, okay, you're the underdog and nobody really expects it, and you're in the playoffs, there's a the pressure. It changes really quickly to people saying, oh, I thought you were better than this. I thought this was – and I think Giannis right. is sort of at that inflection point. You're kind of seeing, even with him, I thought his post-game comments over the last couple of games have been a little icy. You can just tell he's a little – He's irritated. He's annoyed. He's frustrated. All those things, and um, you know, I think he has a lot of pressure going on him because, again, it's one thing to lose the series, and for him, that alone would be bad enough. You go down 0-3, you, the series doesn't get if it's not even close. That's even more definitive. So mm-hmm. I think Giannis is facing a lot of pressure this weekend. 
back-to-back MVP getting bounced out of the second round handily well, does not happen very often. Last you know, year, not- I, handily it works because it was four straight, but that series at least had them up two games, almost up three games. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean this year. I mean, the guy who was oh. probably going to win MVP this year. Right. Like the deservedly the, the, the so. player who yeah the the player who wins that award doesn't normally get rocked out of the second round oh. the way that he like if he doesn't win if he loses if they if go down oh three loses and they go oh three yeah that's yeah. what I mean is it like that doesn't normally happen like even the year that the we believe Warriors beat the the Mavericks I believe that was a longer series right like that, I think that it, was, yeah I think it went I think it went I think it went a little bit further yeah and uh, and so if they go oh three and they wind up losing in that was four a first or five round games though, yeah. Yeah, but but you know what I mean though. Is that like like yeah. those the, nobody wants to get swept. Nobody wants MVP. to get dominated. So especially when you're considered the title favorite as Milwaukee was, but Giannis is third on this list. Why? Because I think there's other entities, members, yeah. people on that same squad <laughs> that are feeling a little bit more. Coach Budenholzer already has the reputation of being a regular season coach. Maybe not mm-hmm. making the proper adjustments or you know making the right call. Any adjustments any adjustments and now you look at it and you go wow this team looks so different now they look so inept i think somebody had out there how many five-man lineups teams have played the bucks had played twice as many as anybody else in the playoffs to this point it's a little Mm -hmm. wild um budenholzer i think is in a really tough spot because you go from being a one of the best coaches and he's had that you know he's in atlanta had all that success you know you go from that to being oh a gimmick really, really fast in the NBA. And I think that should they get out of the series without putting up a fight or if they just don't advance, I think people are going to look at Budenholzer as this flawed coach. And I, I, and when I say flawed, I mean like fatally flawed, like, you know, can't yeah. build around that style coach. And um, that, I think that's at stake in the series. I, you started last you know, the, the last player on this list was Giannis and you kind of started that with the icy quotes and how frustrated he seems and, yes. and the passive aggressive jabs that he's sending off at, at, at Mike Budenholzer that are very thinly veiled, man. They're like the, the, the veil is, is, is like paper thin and we're talking and we're talking tissue paper. And, and, and I think either if they don't, if they don't win this series, Bud's gone. Like he, and and you go from you go from winning coach of the year and being seen as or not coach of the year this year but last year and then being seen as this you know great regular season coach to now gone yeah because you fell short again with Giannis who is one of the most promising young players we've seen in a while I don't really know where 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 Bud goes from here so and and the thing is like the thing that bothers me Adam is that these are fixable things play your guy more like every yeah. coach in yeah. the history of the NBA. When they get to the playoffs, you play LeBron James more, you play James Harden more, you play Steph Curry more, Michael Jordan coach. Like these guys minutes all get lengthened come playoff time. And, and I like the reaction to Giannis exiting the game with eight minutes to go in last game on Twitter was interesting because it was just fully fledged and unabashed bashing of of bud just continuing to refuse to adjust to the very different game that playoff basketball is compared to regular season basketball 
So we said I had the player Giannis as third. I had the coach second. I think this tells you everything you need to know about the NBA and just how it's set up right now. I have the organization mm-hmm. number one. And I don't want Anthony, I, I've talked about this all the time. I hate when the media talks about players leaving in free agency before it's time. So I don't want us to talk about He's not even a free agent. Next uh, so, Exactly. And I don't want us to talk about the speculation about where this or that he would go, but he is going to be entering the final year of his contract. There have been the rumors and reports about maybe, you know, him not being tied to Milwaukee long-term or whatever. You lose in painful fashion in the second round after being the dominant regular season team you are. I'm sorry. Those conversations are going to drown out everything this summer. And I'm I'm rooting against it because I don't want it. I'm, I hate it. The Bucks organization, number one on my list of, of, entities facing pressure going into the weekend yeah you might hate it i hate it less so because the lakers tend to to take you know play a role in those conversations i will say this i would hope that the bucks go to Giannis and say do you want this guy gone because Forget we that. Can I don't want to, again, go. I don't want to talk about firing coaches and offseason talk. I'm just talking about the pressure here. So I don't I don't even want to talk about firing Budenholzer or whatever. He is they're down 0-2. They're not down 0-4. There, there's still time for them to do that. So I feel like we can have this conversation and maybe we will next week, Anthony, so we could just save it. I'm more just yeah. talking about the pressure of this weekend. The Bucks stand of Will you even make it to when you and I record? I know. It's I mean, four days from now. I know, I know. <laughs> By the time you and I record next time, uh, it might not be even a conversation. But you can appreciate this at least, Anthony. <laughs> I know that you you just mentioned being in the LA market, and generally speaking, players are going to you, not away from you. But mm-hmm. you can at least put yourself in the position of, man, they they found gold in Giannis. I don't know, eight mm-hmm. years ago, whatever it's been, and it's like the bill is due now, and you're almost at that point, and and they just there's so much pressure there for the organization to figure this out and to get the win this weekend, and I hate it, I really do, I genuinely hate this that this is a talking point for the NBA, but it is what it is, and and that's why tomorrow night I think all Bucks fans are going to be watching it with uh, a little short of breath, just just knowing how how much sort of hangs on it. All right, seeing as you hate that conversation, I'll say this. This is something that Bud and Giannis can both control. Like this is one of those spots. But again, it's not, that I, it's not that I disagree with you, Anthony. I just want to save that conversation for next week. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that conversation. I'm saying all that Bud has to do is play Giannis more. Oh, oh. If I Giannis see. wants, I see. if Giannis wants yeah, to guard Jimmy Butler, like that. let him guard. Let me let him guard Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, well, if 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 you if you refuse, well, whatever it is. Like if you yeah, if yeah. you like it's not at some point. If a coach is so dogmatic in their approach to coaching here that they are not doing the kind of thing that makes their life easier, I'm sorry, man. You deserve to get fired. Like that's how yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how that's how life works. Not let just me, NBA coaching, but that's just how life works. Let me if just, just all of your all of your outright, points. It's not that they're not right, Anthony. It's that that I just I hate that it's true because what we're really talking about is how unimportant the regular season is and it's it i i just have this theory i think actually sam Fendiari is the one that came up with it the the nets are winning the championship next year they're going to win 43 games they're going to rest their starters for every nationally televised game it's going to be absolutely terrible they're going to be 28th in defensive rating and then they're going to the playoffs and they're going to steamroll everyone and it's going to be the worst (laughs) (laughs) this is where we're headed the league can this is also another thing that the league can fix man just Steve, shorten. Steve Nash going to win. Uh, he's going to win coach of the year by calling uh, 87 ISOs per game <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> and it working beautifully. <laughs> 
right, can I give, can I offer up can I offer off a, a bit of a hot take here? Yeah, you ready for a hot take? Oh God, I think it's a oh, truly terrible sign. I think it's a really bad sign for how good Nash is going to be at his job. That his first inclination upon getting that job with in Brooklyn was to hire Dirk Nowitzki, his buddy. <laughs> Like that's not great, but I, as somebody who just watched Luke Walton fall flat on his face now two times in a row because he refuses to part ways with Jesse Mermies of all people. Like, but this I'm is sorry, what I'm, man. This is what I'm it telling you, man. Good. But this is what I'm telling you. You got Galaxy Brain Philadelphia. You know, trust the process. Let's build through the draft. Let's do the slow. Didn't work. You know, <laughs> fell apart. You got teams like Denver. You know, like oh, look at how many second rounders they've really. Pa- Doesn't matter. We're just gonna hire Steve Nash. Calls 87 ISOs a game. Get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to force their way there, and then you know you win. That's actually the real formula. It's uh, I'm a little scared about it, but you know what? I'll watch. <laughs> That's why I, I, uh, Steve Nash is smart enough to go like, oh, I got Kevin Durant and Kyrie. All right, yeah, I'll just uh, this coaching will be easy. Let me see if Dirk wants to hang out with like coach. Eric I got right away like, but Bellis was like, wait, that was an option. <laughs> I could have coached Kyrie and Kevin Durant. <laughs> Clear out, what? Clear out, everybody. <laughs> Can't wait. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode and this week's episodes of the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, exciting, thrilling weekend ahead of us as the Lakers kick off their series. As we talked about with Milwaukee, they have their games. We have tonight's games that we just watched. The next games in that series are going to be taking place Sunday night. So it's just, this is my favorite time of the year. This is, you have two games every single <laughs> September? night. September? Great. <laughs> this yeah, is your right. favorite time of the year. This is when <laughs> basketball reaches its peak, September. <laughs> I'm I'm a huge fan of September and the normal NBA season. I don't have to work. I record three days a week. It's great. It's it's Uh phenomenal. Um, No, this is this portion of the NBA season usually when it would normally be taking place. It's my favorite time of the year, dude. It's it's two night. It's two games every single night featuring the eight best teams in the NBA. Just a matter of whether or not the, the the other four teams happen to wake up and make those teams a series, or those series actually a series. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Please be safe out there. Please enjoy this basketball. Tune into all of the shows across this feed and across all of the Locked On NBA network and across the entire Locked On network. For now, though, I will be signing off here with Adam. We'll talk to you guys next Friday.